There is no doubt that the business sector wields plenty of power. Power that can shape the world and if applied with a conscience, positively impact all spheres of civilization. In Conscious Conversations, I, Carmen Murray, chat with a fascinating array of industry leaders and pioneers to explore how doing business with a greater good in mind can lead to better returns and a better South Africa for all. Join me on my voyage of discovery and together we'll unearth the value, nobility, prosperity and opportunity that is part and parcel of ethical capitalism. Hey, 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 Conscious Tribe, welcome to yet another episode on The Carmen Murray Show. I'm bringing in a guest today that absolutely fascinated me. Um, I recently spoke at an event um, for UJ Marketing Department, talking specifically about the current state of marketing, and here arrives this double professor. It's the best way of explaining it. This double professor talking about future studies and the fourth industrial revolution and the fifth industrial revolution. And when he spoke, I was blown away by the skills that he was talking about that we need to acquire for the future. It's not what I've heard before. And I thought it might be interesting to bring him in that we can actually have a conscious conversation about fourth industrial and fifth industrial revolution. So, Prof, I wanted to um, start off by by asking you just to contextualize fourth industrial revolution and fifth industrial revolution for us before we explore the conscious conversation no that we need to have around I it. I think it's very important, uh, Carmen, that we take cognizance of the fact that every industrial revolution made mankind's life easier. Let's backcast. As futurists, we normally backcast as well. You can't just forecast. You have to backcast a little bit. So where, where mankind really comes from, the first industrial revolution around about the 1800s with the invent of steam power, uh, machinery and things like that, around about the 1800s, you know, uh, remember the olden days we used to ride horses. Here comes a steam train. So... What normally took a horse a day is about 100 kilometers. Uh, now with a steam train, took you less than 40 minutes to get uh, to cover that 100 kilometers, as it were. But it made mankind's life easier. So too with the mm -hmm. second industrial revolution, you know, uh, with the invent of electricity. You could either use your candle or you can switch on the light. So what we have to remember that every single industrial revolution made our lives easier. So, so too with the fourth and so too with the fifth industrial revolution. But every industrial, the first industrial revolution took about a hundred years, the second one took another hundred years, the third industrial revolution less than 50 years, the fourth industrial revolution most probably is going to take us 15 years before we get into the fifth industrial revolution as we know it. The only difference is that the fourth industrial revolution is a little bit more complex. It's quick decisions with a fast-paced moving environment. So, if we can look at the fourth industrial revolution and we categorize it, you know, obviously it's a fourth industrial revolution, but it's brought about and it's characterized by the smart technologies that is brought about uh, in, and it's blurring the lines between the physical, digital, uh, and biological spheres, collectively referred to as the cyber physical systems, that has a direct impact on smart business models. It's as simple as that. Whether it's smart agriculture, whether it's smart water management, whether it's smart uh, roads, whether it's smart anything is working on smart business models within the fourth industrial revolution. 
So if we unpack that uh, definition, Carmen, it's uh, through the years, uh, these smart technologies are developing and merging, testing our traditional means of economic growth as we know it. And responses to these technological changes will determine the shape of our economic progress through smart business models. So the emphasis is, and as our president says, he wants a smart country. And this smart country that we're looking through basically happens through smart technologies and those kind of things. And this 4YR also presents a turning point for us as human development as a rapid pace of the technological changes uh, tests our social cohesion as we know it and demands bold policy responses in order to better foster innovation. As you indicated, mm. it's all about that innovation and how do we develop that sound economic policy and prudently increases productivity through the smart business models. But that smart infrastructure, you name it, everything in this world as you and I know it works around supply and demand. So if the demand's there, you need to apply within a 4IR the smart business models. So there are several factors, Carmen, that impacts uh, this particular fourth industrial revolution. And it's driven by the systematic transformation of technologies, information, and innovation, but on a global scale. Not just South Africa. This happens on a global scale. So all 7 billion people are affected around the globe around it. So it's not just you and I in South Africa, bottom end of the world. It's a global, it's a global thing. Mm -hmm. And this, these four, uh, there are four primary factors driving this and, uh, uh, particularly in the fourth industrial revolution. And it reshapes our industries and it transforms many facets of our societies and, and, and our human lifestyle, as it were. And these four main primary factors are the emerging catalytic technologies. I study them yearly, and I promise you the top 100 of them. They change constantly as new technologies get developed. You know, it's up on the list, up on the list, and what the impact has got for man. And then secondly is machine learning. Remember, machine learning is what we call the computers, those kind of things. How does machine learning interact with these emerging catalytic technologies? How does machine learning assist us as mankind to develop these new technologies as we move forward? Uh, the third thing is also that speed of change. You know, why I say the fourth industrial mm -hmm. revolution is much more complex, common is because the change happens so quickly. You know, that degree of complexity. Um, it's argued that the changes that we'll experience within the fourth industrial revolution, common that we're currently experiencing will be more so than the first, second, and third industrial revolution combined. So we don't have much time. And as Darwin indicated, it's not the strongest of species that survives. It's not the most intelligent. It's those ones that's most adaptable to change. And then the fourth thing, basically, um, it happens on a global scale. You know, we often forget, and I said Africans and Africans, we think it just happens, yeah. But it's a global phenomenon, uh, as it were. So if we look at um, uh, the Fifth Industrial Revolution, I, um, you know, initially when we were asked to start talking about the Fifth Industrial Revolution, Carmen, it was indicated, I thought, my word, you know, we, we're in the 4IR at the moment. Uh, why do people really want to talk about the Fifth Industrial Revolution? But it was a very important question. Because as futurists, we need to prepare mankind for what is really happening or what's coming within the 5IR. I think we're a little bit um, 
a, 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 a fast you know, thinking, if it makes sense to you, but it is imp- incredibly important to prepare people for what in the f- uh, coming in a, f- a five hour. So, in true reality, every time a new technology gets created, it, it, it sort of, uh, 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 it, it changes manufacturing as it were a notch up. You know, every time a new technology mm. comes, it's a notch up and notch up. And as a revolution become more complex, various new technologies are actually discovered as we move on. And this process accelerates uh, every time a new technology gets developed. So industry 5.0 is currently being developed, not only as the fifth industrial revolution, but it will be the fifth, first industrial revolution that will be led by mankind, as it were. So as we're currently having at the moment, the fourth industrial revolution is that mankind is catching up every time this new anticipated catalytic technology gets developed. But the 5IR will sort of seek to promote a more balanced working relationship between the increasingly smarter technologies and people as we know it. Um, so that's when the term, the cobots, collaborative robots, uh, will be integrated into the industrial processes for more repetitive and everyday tasks that people will offer is opportunities for the creative flair. That's where you and I come mm-hmm. in. Our creativity will then, uh, we'll have more time to bring a man and machine together. We'll feel more comfortable with it because, you know, industry 4.0 has brought that fear amongst us. Are we prepared enough? Are we really? Uh, on top of this technologies and those kind of things. And I think Industry 5.0 is going to make it much more easier. So um, mm. the 5IR, Carmen, I think is going to put people back, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, instead of asking how can we improve efficiency and productivity, I think the 5IR was how we can make the world a better place. And therefore it's important to note that the five hour will occur simultaneously with industry 4.0 and it will change as new technologies emerge. Um, and lastly, I think the five hour will also have to respond to our industry 4.0 changes and advances. So the, the big goal, I think, in the five hour is to integrate these new technologies and the, how we can live and create new opportunities and obviously to improve life. So yes, it is exciting. Mm-hmm. It's coming forward towards the five, five, uh, industry 5.0 and those kind of things. So I think that we will lose that fear factor as we move towards the fifth industrial revolution. I've read the other day of a lady that was in her nineties that's traveled, um, by, by donkey, <laughs> by train, <laughs> and she's tra- traveled by plane. Yeah. Um, so she's experienced so many different forms of um, transportation in her lifetime. Yeah. So obviously um, progressing civilizations um, forward is so important, but it's also in alignment with um, this era of enlightenment yeah. where you, um, if you, if you look at 400 years ago, you know, when um, the black death happened and um, people, uh, one in three people passed away and people inherited money. Mm. They sat at home reading books and started the Da Vinci's came out, mm. the Shakespeare's came out, um, and people that progressed forward with, with creativity. It's almost like, um, AI is a new era of enlightenment that, that would create a civilization that's productive in alignment with us, mm. um, on the side. But 
Right now, we are in a society that's almost spinning off its axis right now, um, where human beings are working through the, through the clock, um, and, and really experiencing the tensions of working in a hybrid environment. Um, you know, the load shedding, for example, that we're experiencing here in South Africa is not something that's just here, but it's something that's happening around the world. The gas problems is something that's happening around the world. The, the fuel problems around the world. It forces us to start thinking of future strategies of how we can create um, hybrid workplaces because people are not going to afford um, traveling anymore to go to work. It's, we're going to have to start cocooning, have extra spaces in our homes for offices. It's going to be like that. And, and, and having that, that, um, and knowing that this is the kind of planning that we need to start planning if we want to be relevant in the future. But then with that being said, what is the future of work right now? Where, where is it now? Where is it going? And what do you, if you, if for anybody from the corporate world or, or people that's looking at changing a career, what is this, the steps of progression that lies ahead now? I think what is important is, uh, there's two statements I would like to bring is, uh, they're quite, quite shocking, but very relevant. Um, <laughs> The one, oh in, the one is that uh, currently we're 8 billion people on uh, Earth, roughly, you know, plus 7.4, 7.6, those kind of things. <laughs> but it's argued that 2 billion jobs that exist today in the world market is not going to exist by 2030. Now, hmm. uh, a lot of people would argue that's like a quarter of uh, jobs. It's not really. It's actually more like 50% of jobs because half people, half the people on earth are working at the moment, you know. So others, uh, we have the youth going to school, varsity, they're not workers as well as uh, those in retirement. So the big factor is that 50%. And unemployment. Yeah, and unemployment. Sorry to interject, and unemployment, no, okay. Right. So that's a staggering statistic. So, uh, a two billion jobs that exist today, Roughly about six, six and a half years time from now, it's not going to exist anymore. And then, mm. but on the other end, with all this technological advancement within 4IR, uh, moving into the fifth industrial revolution, 60% of jobs, roughly about six and a half, seven, eight, nine, ten years from now on, haven't been invented yet. So these are staggering figures and it, it really needs us to think about it. So, but in true reality, um, you know, if we look at common, uh, you know, there's going to be more opportunities within the fifth industrial revolution, fourth industrial revolution, uh, than what we would lose. But I think we'll discuss the, the thing about the future of jobs. So the 4IR leading into the fifth industrial revolution is expected to have a significant impact on the future of work, obviously. Uh, looking at those mm. two, uh, two statistics, as these emerging catalytic technologies emerge and continue to and advance and converge as we know it, they are reshaping industries. There's no two ways about it. Uh, job roles and the overall nature of work. Um, but I do believe there are key ways in which the 4 hour and 5 hours is likely to impact the future of work. The first one is with this automation and AI, robotics, uh, all these new anticipated catalytic technologies uh, will increasingly replace or augment certain tasks and job roles. But once again, for the benefit of mankind, we should never forget that. 
You know, why does these technologies happen? Is to assist us and to develop us as mankind, to assist us. Remember, it's assist us. Mm. It's not taking our jobs away. It's to assisting us. So now we can actually say, all right, uh, let's go back to the first industrial revolution. I'd rather prefer to be on my horse than go the train. You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? So that's the way that we should see it. So um, uh, uh, the routine and repetitive tasks are likely to be automated. There's no two ways about it. And leading to changes in job functions and the need for upskilling and reskilling to focus on tasks that requires that creativity, uh, critical thinking, complex problem solving. There's no two ways about it. So uh, on top of it, the four-hour fiber are, will give us the rise to new job roles, uh, exciting ones that didn't exist before. So particularly in areas related to emerging catalytic technologies, data science, AI, cybersecurity, robotics, augmented virtual reality, all those exciting ones are expected to grow. There's no two ways about it. And skills such as data analytics, programming, digital literacy, technological proficiency will be in high demand as we move forward. And then, as you and I on this platform experience, Carmen, uh, remote work and digital connectivity is going to go hand in hand as we move forward. Um, the COVID-19 pandemic really advanced us. And we should be, in true reality, we should be thankful for that. I can sit where I'm sitting and I've got the privilege of talking to you as we are moving forward. And that's going to be the trend moving forward. Don't be fooled to think, go back to the offices and those kind of things, because remote work and digital connectivity is going to have different work arrangements as we move forward. Um, what we will also experience, Carmen, in the future is the gig economy. Okay, now a lot of people don't understand it and things like that, but it's going to be all about flexible work. You mentioned earlier on, you know, this uh, the, the working experience. Trust me, in the future, with smart cities, smart countries, those kind of things, it's going to be 24-7 working. It's as simple as that. And that's because we can have flexible work and the gig economy. And the firewash will likely to contribute to the growth of the gig economy and flexible work arrangements. Because digital platforms and online marketplaces will continue to facilitate freelance work, part-time engagements, 24-hour work, you're going to work more like in a group format. You understand? It's like uh, you're going to have certain assignments. In other words, go solve this problem. You know, go solve that problem. Mm. And it's going to be more in group work. And then also the 4IR is going to go, 4IR, 5IR, it's going to be about lifelong learning skill development because of that rapid uh, uh, technological changes and advancements that we experience. And the firewall will require, require individuals to engage in lifelong learning and continuous skills development as we know it. And I think within 5IR, that mach- human-machine collaboration, um, that increased collaboration between a man and machine, it will be when we have the competition with the 4IR versus man versus machine, 5IR will be rather a man with machine, um, and how technology will augment human capabilities, allowing for more f- efficient and productive work processes. 
as it were. So developing the skills that complement technology and focusing on the uniquely human traits like EQ, emotional intelligence, creativity, empathy will be in, become increasingly more uh, uh, valuable as we move forward. I think, uh, uh, Carmen, what we have to remember, it's, it's important to note that the impact of the five on the few, uh, future of work will most probably vary across industries, regions, and job roles. Some jobs may be significantly transformed or even rendered obsolete, as we know it, from the statistics that two billion jobs will disappear. While there will be new opportunities and job roles that will emerge, there's no two ways about it. And preparing for the future requires us as mankind uh, to anticipate these changes. Because remember the four factors, uh, as I mentioned, that rapid change, you know, it's... It's the ones, uh, it's not the smartest or the most intelligent of societies or people or work. It's the ones that's most adaptable to the change. So, yes, so while 5IR still is in its infancy, you know, it's like we are adapting, you know, the degree of complexity mm. as we move forward, you know. So, yeah, it's exciting. I think it's going to make it be very exciting. I see that. You know. Uh, I definitely see that. Know. So, um, I think we're on the cusp of the 5IR, um, but it's not something we should fear. I really don't believe. Mm. I look at the, um, you know, if I look at the, what the World Economic Forum is talking about, um, you know, every industrial revolution, your waste share, uh, common, you know, where certain populations get left behind. Yes, the 4IR, there's a certain population that gets left behind. It's, Basically, 2% of the world's population capitalized on 98% uh, waste share. But the 5IR, the waste share, is going to be less than 5%. In other words, it's, you know, um, if we look at Africa a couple of years ago, you know, uh, when the cell phone came out, a lot of people didn't know how to do banking. You know, they have to travel long distances to the bank. But when the cell phone actually came back, your bank became on your cell phone. So we leapfrogged, you understand. So within the transition between a 4IR and 5IR, mankind's going to leapfrog. Africa will leapfrog. There's no two ways about it. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you just look at South Africa's banking system, it's one of the best banking systems in the world. Many, many years. Um, yeah. And innovative banks. Um, and if we, it's almost like Africa skips a revolution. Mm. Um, and we've seen that, I think, um, with the third industrial revolution, we're moving straight into the fourth industrial revolution and, um, are very exciting projects like the drone highways and everything that's, um, you know, being developed here in Africa. Also, I think that Africa has a unique way of solving, um, problems. And that is going to be to our benefit because I feel like that part of our brains are already switched on. Um, and um, also collaborating. Um, uh, previously, we had an interview with um, Franz van der Kolf, who specializes in um, um, strategy, and he also specializes in African storytelling mm. and the wisdoms that we can learn from African people. Um, you know, and, and AI is here or technology, but I mean, AI is the group name for probably every piece of technology that exists now. Yeah. Um, so, so, um, I, I think that the, the important thing is, is also just to, to recognize that 
it does open up opportunities. Like if you enjoy playing a piano, oh. you can have a crowd and entertain them by playing a piano than rather than going to, um, you know, to a factory or a desk job every day that you hate. Mm. Um, it's actually going to force you to, to, to lean into what makes you a human and to have full on human experiences. Absolutely. Um, in my personal view, no, right. um, I do critical thinking. Um, is so, so important. Um, and to tap into that. Look, I mean, um, I take everything that's happening sometimes with a pinch of salt. <laughs> sometimes I giggle. Sometimes I'm like, what? <laughs> but, you know, um, like the other day, I, <laughs> there's a, there's a trend, um, all the, the, the first baby that, that's growing into a tank instead of um, going through the mother's womb. At least there's free choice for those who wants to have babies. But I mean, like if you choose to have your baby like that, good for you. You deal with the problems later on in life. Not my problem. <laughs> but you know, you know what yeah. I mean? Like there's certain things that you kind of think, yes, see, seriously. Um, think of, but think then about there's it, other Carmen. things. I mean, if you can wear artificial hair, uh, what stops you from having an artificial womb? You know what I mean? So Yeah, but I also there's the energy. I'm an empath, so for me, um, it is the only uh, – that's the beauty about a woman yeah. carrying a baby in her womb yeah. is the fact that it has – it's in touch with every internal organ in her body or however the baby is born. And that energy and that nurturing of that individual happens for nine months. And if you look even at numerology, yeah. life is in nine cycles for until you yeah. die. Um, life works in, in the cycles of nine. Yeah, three, six, um, and nine. And if you look, yes, three, six, and nine. If you look at, um, um, a, a, usually many people before they pass away is three months before their birthday or three mm. months after their birthday. Um, I know that's uh, spooky, but I mean, that is, um, like studying lots of, um, files and over 30 or 40 years of, um, speaking to people that have studied, um, the esoterics, if I can put it that way. Um, but um, the, the interesting thing for me as well is if you look at a baobab tree, it takes nine months, nine mm. months for a baobab tree to carry a fruit. Very true. And that fruit brings healing to um, its environment. It's a water-resistant tree, mm. but all the animals know exactly where to go when that fruit is bearing yeah. to, to heal themselves. Absolutely. And that's why I think that having a baby in your, in your womb is maybe an important thing to consider. There's a reason for that. Yeah. But I'm not going to argue with um, everybody is, is free to express themselves and how they want to express and how they view the world. Um, I think that's what makes human race beautiful is our diversity mm. and what makes us different and imagining different things. Absolutely. Um, so um, what I wanted to, to, to really touch on with as well, because I know that these are pressing questions. As a current employee in the workforce, what career changes should people considering Today, like if you had to tell people, here's the five top skills you need to consider learning about and to work in or to integrate into your day-to-day -day life, what would it be? Look, I mean, we already have to look at, uh, uh, in terms of career changes and skills, because remember, skills and career go hand in hand. So if you already look at yes. what the World Economic Forum is indicating to us is that by 2025 already, uh, jobs will emerge and others will be displaced as we know it. And, you know, Carmen, it's basically 18 months from now. So 
if we're looking at uh, just by 2025 for the World Economic Forum's indicating, um, there's 85 million jobs that's not going to be there in 2025. 18 months from now, uh, if we look at the 10 decreasing job uh, jobs by demand, data entry clerks, administrative executive secretaries, uh, accounting, bookkeeping and payroll clerks, um, lawyers, uh, uh, assembly and factory workers, business services, you name it. I mean, there's, there, uh, there are already indications but I, that by 2030, uh, 95% of high risk of being automated is um, uh, lawyers, number two is uh, accountants, bookkeepers, etc. Because machine intelligence overpowers it already. Um, but if we look in a more exciting part about it, even though by 2025, 85 million jobs is going to disappear, there's a, already a new shift, or shift, if I can put it already, that 97 million jobs will be created through data analytics, AI, machine learning specialists, big data specialists, digital marketing strategy specialists, digital transformation specialists already, and things like that. Um, so in the future, there'll be more work than we than we're losing, as it were. Mm. But um, considering, Carmen, uh, uh, career changes and developing new skills, as you and I know, it is an important aspect for professional growth and adaptability. As futurists, we believe there are some factors that you need to consider uh, when contemplating a career change and skills to focus on. And number one is you've got to determine what is your interests? What what makes you click? In other words, what's your strengths, values, long-term goals? And you've sort of got to realign it. And then you've got to identify what are those industries, what are the roles, work environments. And you sort of got to align yourself uh, with your passion and your values. No good going into a job and you don't have the passion for it. It's going to be... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, two steps forward, three steps back, you know, uh, or driving in reverse. Um, you've also got to take stock. What is your existing skills? And identify those that you need to transfer in different industry to roles. Because remember, there's going to be quite a shift. So you've got to determine how you're going to realign yourself. Um, transferable skills include communication, problem solving, project management, leadership, teamwork, and adaptability. Now, that is very important because that all links to your critical thinking, as you mentioned early on. Critical thinking is very, very important when it comes to uh, your reskilling of uh, uh, and how you adapt because that sort of lines where your brain goes and those kind of aspects. And then you need to identify those skills as you know it. Uh, what's going to be in demand? What's your desired career field? You've sort of got to do research. Hence again, we spoke earlier on about, you know, it's going to be ongoing research, scanning your environment. What's really happening out there? How do you need to adapt? Um, and then you've got to invest in professional uh, development opportunities to acquire those new skills and very importantly, this knowledge. So you got to keep up with those trends. You know, it's trend analysis 24-7 as you go it. Um, I think one thing that you're very good at is that uh, networking and <laughs> mentoring. 
That's net. You've got a network. You've got to be at associations. You know, um, you know. I belong to the World Future Studies Federation, International Associate for the Professional Futurists. We get to thirty to fifty emails per day, and it's topic related. So you got to be. So it's very important belonging to those uh, things, and then also uh, 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 just to be updated because things change so mm-hmm. much, um, and a lot. That what's happening around the world is that we have to determine, uh, 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 you know, what's fake news, what is real news, and it's because so and it's argued that forty percent of news out there is fake news at the moment. So, what we really have to make sure is that if you belong to these professional organisations, that you, that gets filtered for you. You understand? So we don't get indoctrinated, mm. as it were, in fake news. Then you've also got to gain it. Practical experience. Um, we've got a saying uh, in part of entrepreneurship is if you really want to be in a field, let's say, for instance, property development, rather go work for somebody and gain that experience because you, you're tapping into their knowledge that they've had for 30 to 50 years and you learn mm. by listening. So it's tapping into that particular knowledge that you need to do. Um, and then lastly is, uh, We've got to be flexible and adaptable as mankind because we, we have to get back to this change factor. You know what I mean? Men in particular hate change. Women are easier with change management, but you've got to, you've got to, you've got to change. And it's how adaptable we to the change. So it's very important that we do that. And, ah, uh, and lastly, common, we have to remember that the successful Career change requires careful planning, patience, and persistence. So we, you, you can't mm. put too much pressure on you because if there's too much pressure on you, you panic. And that's one of the worst things you can actually do is, you know, take your time, be patient, but you've got to be persistent and willing to uh, adapt to the change. And it's important to continuously access and update your skills to stay relevant in a rapidly changing job environment. Remember, it's a global phenomena. We're all in the same boat in this. This is not just you or I that's in this, in this boat. So, you know, you've got to be adaptable and change within a 24-7 cycle, you know. Mm. And, and you know, something that um, I'm, I'm going to say just because I feel like I need yeah. to, but I think also people need to have foresight right now yeah. is to understand yeah. that, don't buy shit that you don't need. <laughs> I agree. Start saving your money. Yeah. Start investing your money in 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 in, in, in to pay attention to what's happening around you because the old way of investing of a hundred years ago is not relevant yeah. today. The second thing is buying stuff that you don't need and you are going to be trapped and be in jobs that you hate all the time and create your own stress. Yeah. Because you are, you you can't control your finances, and I think um, I mean, I, I I mean, content is my thing. I love strategy, um, data science in particular is something that um, I really enjoy, um, and to see how human behavior behavior takes place and the trends, etc. But one thing I must tell you, I sometimes watch um, um, some of these um, content pieces online, or I would watch um, Netflix, and then I just go. Why are you spending your money on a car that costs three times the amount of a house? Mm. And then you, you hate the job that you're in or you want to change or you want more and more and more. And this kind of greed has an impact on our planet. Um, 
and we all, I'm, I'm guilty. We're all guilty of, of, of this. It's like we want things more and more and more of it. Yeah. And it's a very difficult thing mm. to let that drug go no, and good. to start becoming more conscious. I mean, even buying clothing. I love clothing. <laughs> even buying clothing is more difficult for me mm. now because now I'm like, you know, what's the impact on the environment? Do I really need another pair of jeans that uses 10,000 liters of water? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a very important ob observation you're mentioning. Um, um, you know, Maslow's hierarchy towards wisdom always plays a critical role. So every decision should be around wisdom. So when it goes to in investing, you must remember 49% of the world's wealth is in property. So it's an important thing that you mention it. You know, 49% of the world's wealth is in property. If you look in South Africa, it's actually that figure is around about 73% of our wealth is actually in property. So, yeah, it's how we invest. Wow. And then, uh, secondly, um, uh, what we have to remember as futurists, we always ask the what if questions. So, yes, you put yourself in debt now. Mm. What if there's a stock market crash coming soon? What if this economic collapse happening soon uh, and how you put yourself in debt I mean what, hello yeah. <laughs> so, it's so obvious if you say that it's sorry for interrupting yeah. you but I mean I really need to get this point across if you're talking about a quarter of the world population yeah. that's not going to have a job yeah what does that mean for organizations and businesses of course banks are going to collapse of course businesses are going to collapse it's clear some are going if they are not prepared to adapt and evolve, but also mm. adapt values. I do believe this fourth industrial and fifth industrial revolution is also about values, values. and the revolution of values. No, right. Because the technology, I think you mentioned this um, uh, at, at the, that event that you spoke at that was just so profound, what you said. Um, when you, when you prompt chat GPT and ask, uh, uh, well, I can't remember, you said something in the lines of when you prompted, um, is humans needed? Mm. And it said, no, it's better if humans don't actually do anything yeah. because of um, this. I can't I think, remember the context. No, the Maybe question, you can remember. The question that was raised, I don't know if you raised it, if somebody else raised it, but environmental pressures that we actually, global warming, etc. So the question that was raised for ChatGPT is how do we address um, uh, 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 global warming? Uh, and then a chat GPT said, uh, it's better that mankind's not there. <laughs> you know what I mean? How do you sort it out? So if mankind's not there, uh, just to bring that question in, in context. And the reason why I asked that particular question is, you know, in the 1800s, we were only one billion people on earth, eh? Sure. Just 230 years ago, we were sure. one billion people. Now we're close to eight billion people. Every single soul releases per year 51 tons of CO2 in the atmosphere. So in the 1800s, we were like 1 billion. Now we're 8.4 billion. So it's, it's uh, oh, eight, around about 8 billion people. So you can just imagine the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. Hence again, as a futurist, I focus quite a lot on CO2 and how we, uh, as Africa, can capitalize it. Because the, uh, uh, the problem is uh, the West and China. But here in Africa, I mean, we, we're not even a hundredth of what they release in terms of CO2. And um, so just to bring that in context, yeah, so ChatGPT is there. Sure. A lot of people, there's quite a lot of fighting with ChatGPT. Mankind created machine intelligence. 
Now we want to fight it. Yes. <laughs> you understand? So, <coughs> And we participated in it. We, so. we created it. But it's making our lives easier. You know, a lot of the academics mm-hmm. fight against chat, TPT, blah, 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 blah. We created it. Not the strongest of species yeah. that survives, more the, the more intelligent that survives, the ones that's more adaptable to change. Change. <laughs> yep. It's as simple as that. I mean, change is the most constant yep. thing in our lives. Um, as I'm sitting here every minute, one billion cells um, or red cells are being um, created in my body mm. and yours as mm. well. Um, change is happening, Constant. you know, like uh, constantly. Yeah. Last week um, I, I said, I'm going to take you through three timelines in one word, yeah. future. future. And I've just taken you through the past, the present, and um, and the future by just saying that yeah. word because that was three timelines, if you think Hindsight, about it. Insight, insight, um, and foresight. <laughs> Exactly, I love that. Oh, I'm a, I must quote that. That is amazing. But you know, the, the interesting thing, and I'm, I'm digressing, but it's very interesting what you just said. You know, the CO2 that, you know, from, from humans as well, the waste, etc. You know, when I used to work in the bush, I used to work in the bush for four years. Um, and it was quite fascinating um, to me. And I remember, I think elephants drink up to 200 liters of water a day. Um, and, you know, making sure you don't have too many elephants when they're breeding, etc., because of all the water that they use. And, you know, and when I think about that, I'm like, but f- funny, we, we, we want to control how many animals there, there is, but we're not really controlling how many people there is. Yeah. But then Lesotho, I heard people have a life expectancy of about 38 years old and they, they actually ban abortions. Mm-hmm in Lesotho because of that, um, because they need a higher population for the economy to grow. So I don't know what is the link here, but I don't know. But but it's fascinating. I think the link I is we have to, to remember we're only visitors on Earth. You know? Yes. Earth is not created for us. We visit us. You know? Yep. Next generation, next generation, we all visit us. It's as simple as that. I love looking at it that way. It's so true. We're here to learn our earth lessons. How can I put it that yeah. way? <laughs> if you really think, what's the, um, what's, what's the purpose of life? Why are we here? Where do we come from? Purpose here, we're here to learn. Yeah. Experience and learn. Yeah. And be thankful for. 100. Yeah. Beautiful, beautifully said, because it's so true. And I think that's what we lost sight of, is we're here to have a human experience. Yeah. We're spiritual beings here to have a human Absolutely. experience. Um, Absolutely. I have no doubt about it. So one thing when I was doing my postgraduate diploma with my syndicate, um, we had 12 months um, as a group to do um, systems thinking on a specific, specific challenge. And we chose youth development, um, you know, in Africa, solving one of Africa's most complex problems. And one of the insights that really fascinated me, and I, and especially when you see it come to life, we worked with MPOs and NGOs to try and understand, you know, what are the challenges they, they're getting? Cause during the pandemic, um, 45% of MPOs and NGOs didn't make it because they didn't have enough funding and they couldn't do their job, um, their jobs in the communities. And, um, what we learned was interesting. Hey, we learned that, um, a lot of parents, don't they are not informed about the future of work 
And because they are not informed about the future of work, they pay for their children to study certain degrees and get education on accountancy, on law. Law is a very big um, um uh, skill that um, I mean I, I revealed that um, at that event but law is one of the biggest skills that people want to develop because of the Madiba legacy um, you know studying for a lawyer but the problem with that as what to what you er, uh, said earlier is that that job is going to be automated is already being automated um, and you can even extract some interesting things from chat GPT um, if you if you just prompt it correctly um, in terms of legal assistance but anyway I don't I'm digressing um, but in that insight it was parents are dictating what their children should study yet they don't understand the future and where it's going and they are almost going towards pension and their children is their this black tax is their um it's it's i mean i'm a lot lamiki um i believe that lot lamikis are are there that, that there was an intent for them and i actually learned that from somebody else i never knew that and i'm like what um to take care no no, no. Um, but anyway, so from my perspective is, um, if that is the case, maybe we're educating the, the wrong people because if parents who are funding their children's studies and saying you can, I'll only fund it if you study one, two, three, four and think that's where the money is going to come in mm. and making decisions out of finances and where money is going to come from, which is not really going to be the truth in five years mm. from now, even two years from now. Yeah. How, what is your view on that? Look, um, a common, I must be honest, uh, looking at a holistic viewpoint, um, I always believe the United Nations Happiness Index is a very important yeah. index. A happy child uh, should be a parent's focus Always. So, in other words, if, if somebody is happy, um, happy in his work, happy life, remember 50% of your times we spend is at work. So, you've got to be happy at work and you've got to be happy at, uh, after hours and those kind of things. So, the United Nations Happiness Index, we as parents should always remember it. But choosing a career path will be relevant and in demand uh, and in demand for the future is a valid concern for parents. There's no two ways about it um, because we all mm. worry about our children. I am a parent, I'm a grandparent, I'm or, you know, thinking of those kind of things. While it's challenging to forecast specific career trends with 100% certainty, and I say forecast, not uh, predict, because we're not all shangomas and those kind of things, so we forecast what future of jobs is going to be. Certain fields are expected to grow and uh, be more promotable and promising uh, than others. Um, as futurists, we advise some areas that parents should consider advising their children to study. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm posed this question continuously. So the first would come to me is technology uh, and mm -hmm. uh, computer science because uh, technology is advancing rapidly, as you know, with this anticipated catalytic technologies, and there's a growing demand for professionals skilled in computer science, software development, data science, AI, cybersecurity, and all the related fields in terms of uh, computer science and that. And these skills are generally sought after in various industries and offer e excellent career opportunities. 
So please, whatever you do, don't stop your child from playing uh, um, video games and those kind of things. Because it's critical. It's absolutely critical. Yeah. Uh, secondly, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, I always so believe in the health industries, healthcare, biotechnology, nanobiotechnology, femtotechnology is also going to come to the fr front because the healthcare industry continues to expand and driven by factors such as population growth, you know, it's just, you know, our population is just growing and growing, aging populations, advancement in medical research. So the medical fields um, are likely to become very much in demand in the future. So if your child, mm. but don't force your child to become a medical doctor if he hates seeing blood like myself. I mean, what is the point? You understand? <laughs> so... Um, then thirdly, renewable energy, environmental services, like we spoke about the environment. Those are jobs that's going to be become very, very important in the future, like environmental engineering, sustainability consulting, green and smart city uh, architecture, and those kind of things. Um, and then fourthly, business and entrepreneurship. You will never, the world works around supply and demand. And it's as simple as it is. Um, you can try and philosophize until you're blue in the face. Everything works out to supply and demand. So business and entrepreneurship, strong business acumen and entrepreneurial skills are always valuable. Business-related careers, this is marketing, finance, <coughs> project management, entrepreneurship can provide a solid foundation for various industries as we know it and offers that innovation. Um, but not everybody can be an entrepreneur, Carmen, like you and I. We, you know, it's regarded <laughs> that 3% of the population has got that, uh, uh, you know, when you do the psychometric testing and those kind of things, only 3%. Um, but then it's also called forced entrepreneurship. You know what I mean? That somebody forced to be an entrepreneur for survival and those kind of things. And that's, you can put in another 7% on top of that. Um, uh, another skill that I do believe, data analytics and digital marketing. I, you know, I was a very fortunate, uh, um, at that, uh, marketing conference and they asked me to research on marketing within a five IR, which was another com a critical thinking, complex problem solving project <laughs> that I had. But, you know, it made me think because, you know, uh, as a marketer, you need, uh, you need that importance, leveraging insight for decision-making, having created demand for professional skilled and data analytics. And on top of that, it's more like how do you bring the graphic design with the marketing? Mm. Everywhere you look, even platforms like this, there's some form of advertising in it, some form of creativity that has to be, you know, so marketing and graphic design is almost like becoming hand-in-hand, hand, you know what I mean? Mm. That's why you have the mm. AAA school of advertising, you know, the, for the graphic designers, they do an extra year in marketing, you understand? So, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like that blending. So you have that uh, digital marketing that's going to play a critical role as we know it. And then lastly, we shouldn't forget about the creative industries. We shouldn't, you know what yep. I mean? I mean, I was mentoring a little girl not so long ago. Um, she could study anything. She was... Highly. I mean, I think her average was 98%. But she wanted to go and study drama. Now, you can force the father as a professor, 
Um, he wants her to be in the medical field, but she decided she's going to study drama. So I said, let, let the that. child involve like she wants to involve. Uh, and afterwards, you know, she can then go and study uh, medical if you really wanted to and those kind of things. But let her do what she wants to do because everything works around the, uh, uh, you know, happiness index, you know, in terms of that. Mm-hmm. And what we have to remember, we must never forget uh, carpenters, electricians, those jobs will exist. They will exist in yeah. the future. So we should never forget that kind of skill. So in a nutshell, it's important to remember while certain fields may currently be in demand, career landscapes can change over time, Carmen. There's no choice about it. And it's mm-hmm. advisable that we as parents encourage our children to pursue areas of interest, of passion. Passion is the key. Yeah. Uh, while also uh, staying adaptable, developing critical thinking skills, as you highlighted, that I love that, because it's a critical thinking, how the brain works, and fostering lifelong learning mindset. Nowadays, we're not going to get away if, you're not, if your mindset is not about lifelong learning. Um, and this will enable kids to navigating changing career landscapes and acquire those new skills as needed through their professional lives. So we must remember that. Mm. We can never forget that. No? It's very important what you're saying there. Mm. Um, the fact that continuous learning is important, but we must also be very careful of falling into the trap, mm. which people are currently falling into, relying on ChatGPT as an example, or these various AI tools to go and study and have your assignments and have everything done by the technology and then tweaking it that it can't be discovered. At the end of the day, those assignments are there to, to challenge your thinking. Absolutely. And if you don't, if you don't go through the process, that knowledge is going to be required one day um, in your day to day job. And if you can't implement it, um, Somebody else is going to take your job since uh, a quarter of the, the, the population is not going to have job. It's going to be the people that's, um, that's going to be the most efficient at doing yeah. it and those that actually show interest yeah. in, in doing their job. I was, lo- I was, now that you talk about, I was looking at also what the World Economic Forum was indicating. I like the research because it's also sometimes give you some forecasts on that and, Judgment and decision making is the number one priority uh, or a skill towards 2030. Uh, second is fluency of ideas. Active learning is the third biggest skill towards 2030. Yeah. Uh, learning strategies, 2030. Originality, you know, systems evaluation. You would talk about systems thinking, which is one of the 39 research methodologies that we as futurists make of. So I loved systems thinking. Uh, deductive reasoning, cool. complex problem solving, system analysis, monitoring. Those are the, those are the top 10 skills towards 2030. So it's very true what you're saying, you know. Mm. I also believe there's going to be, uh, and this brings me to that special question that we, we, we're running out of time. I really want to get to this one. Um, you know, um, I, I am an esoteric and I'm very proud of it. Um, and, um, you know, I am fascinated by psychics, numerologists, astrologists. I'm very spiritual. Um, and I do believe that sometimes my intuition is far stronger than I can comprehend. Mm. And 10 years later, I'll go, 
why did I not listen to my intuition? Yeah. But anyway, now I'm learning to embrace it far more than ever before. There's a huge trend um, starting to, to build momentum, by the mm. way, um, which I, I speak about often, which is probably going to get me into trouble, is um, the des- description um, trend where people are starting to take themselves off all of this medicine, you know, self-medicating mm. and just taking themselves off this medicate, uh, medication. Um, and you know, I used to have high anxiety and used to have all of these various, um, um, elements of things happening. And then I thought, let me just go for, um, a diagnosis. And I went, uh, last week, uh, last week, last year, December, um, 6, 2022, I got my diagnosis that I've got, um, I'm neurodivergent, um, that I've got Asperger's as well as, um, ADHD, um, dyslexic, etc. And I, since then, because I'm the one, I want to understand the inner workings of things. How does my brain now work? Now I need to understand, you know, what is going on here? Um, and I was actually proud of it because I have a different way of thinking yeah. and how my brain wires and how it connects. But one thing that really fascinated me is when I started going off this medication, because um, I really wanted to see who am I without this medication that I can now really understand. And... Um, it's actually interesting to to feel the experience of when your body eavesdrops to mm. you and tells you when a situation is not right and how you have this inner knowing that you ne- never would have. And when you really pay attention and you nurture it, um, it's the greatest gift that you can have. So, um, and that brings me to your point is like you mentioned something really profound and I've never heard anybody mention this is some of the, biggest skills and intelligence that we are going to need in the future is spiritual intelligence and foresight intelligence. And I want you to elaborate on that. No problem. I, I just want to backcast for a minute on your statement, if I may. <laughs> There's nothing wrong, yes. nothing wrong with you. And I'll tell you why I say so. You sound to me like a true 3% entrepreneur. <laughs> so you can classify <laughs> yes. it as this and you can classify it as that. Um, you must, uh, uh, I see the positive side of it because you would never be the entrepreneur that you are if you didn't think differently. Okay. So you, you must mm-hmm. never question yourself in terms of that. All right. There's a philosophy, um, uh, uh, about the brain. So I'll talk about it. First and foremost, what we have to remember is that, uh, uh, we spirit in a human body for a very short space of time. There's no two ways about it. Um, we come from somewhere. We hear because of God's will. We experience and we learn, God willing, and we go back to where we come from. It's as simple as that. So we must never forget that we pass us by on earth. That's the way that I see it. And a lot of other futurists mm. see it. Because the hierarchy of God's hierarchy of uh, the universe. But let's, let's talk about the brain for a couple of uh, uh, minutes. Getting back to your question. The way that we see it, and it's not set in stone, but I'm going to base it on the philosophies of Einstein. Einstein said we only make use of 10% of our brain. Um, and that theory was based on the theory of Nikola Tesla. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard about Nikola Tesla, but he was a gentleman that developed the IQ system. He could test his IQ up to 220. That's the most sure. anybody's 
IQ can be tested. That's pretty high, Carmen. But that's, he developed the, That's very high. That's, that's where he developed. <laughs> By the way, he's also a futurist, uh, um, things like that. But he indicated that, that that's what we know. In other words, your IQ. You know, if you get tested mm. and those things like that. But, um, and Nick, uh, and by the way, Einstein was asked, how does it feel to be the most intelligent person on earth? And he said, he never had the opportunity, uh, he says, uh, he never had the opportunity to meet Nikola Tesla. Um, but so Nikola Tesla was on a very high level. So you can imagine for yourself, also a futurist, one of the first futurists around the globe. Uh, specializing, but he also indicated another 20% of our brains, what we know, we don't know. Like, I know I'm not an architect, I know I'm not a physician, I know I'm not an engineer, but you somehow got knowledge about it. So you make use of 30% of your brain. So that's your IQ. But the other 70% of your brain um, is what you don't know you don't know. So as you get born, you know, you develop. So a lot of those kind of things is outside your comprehension. You learn it as you move on in life, in other words, you know, from a baby, infancy, uh, adulthood, etc., etc. But there are four intelligences, according to Nikola Tesla and Einstein, that really stood out. And if you look at... Uh, um, um, uh, those four that stand out, the one is cultural intelligence, other one's emotional intelligence, other one is spiritual intelligence, other one is foresight intelligence. So, <clears throat> because, and I'll, I'll talk about foresight intelligences, foresight intelligence, uh, uh, is basically, uh, um, because most of our knowledge is about the past, but all our decisions are actually about the future, if you really think about it. So in true reality mm. is uh, what you don't know but need to know to make more comprehensive decision-making. So, mm -hmm. so foresight intelligence really is very important in the brain as you develop because of the implications, you understand. So foresight intelligence relates to that ability to anticipate and envision possible future outcomes, because there's many possibilities. You know, there's many possibilities. From that you determine the uh, probabilities, plausibilities, preferabilities, and also wild cards. In other words, it's what will change something forever. So, um, and it's very important because from that strategic thinking, analysis, and integration of various information uh, sources to make informed Forecasts and decisions about the future, foresight intelligence often encompasses the identification of trends, patterns, emerging developments as the brain involves. Ironically enough, neurologists will tell you that 90% of your decision making you actually do in sleep state. So if we look on the emotional intelligence side, you know, a lot of people say, let's sleep on it. You know what I mean? So your emotions get developed as you move on. In, in life and those kind of things. And emotional intelligence, if I look at the division and uh, traverse it, ability to recognize, understand, and manage one's own emotions, as well as the emotions mm. of others. 
So it's not just this me, myself, I, it's about the emotions of others. Uh, to facilitate thinking, understanding of emotional meanings and uh, managing emotions efficiently. So as you from babyhood develop and those kind of things, so EQ is more, uh, what we regard, EQ is more important than IQ. It's much more important than IQ. Now, it's very important to mention this within a 4IR and 5IR, because your IQ is going to help you nothing in the future, because of machine intelligence and artificial intelligence. Now, it's an important factor to remember. Hence, again, if you look at the skills needed for the future, it's all emotional intelligence, spiritual intelligence, cultural intelligence, and those kind of things. Remember the different, uh, why cultural intelligence is important and the connectivity with these intelligences is that, you know, there's 205, 206 countries around the world. If you look at India alone, how many different sects is it? You know what I mean? Uh, I think there's 80 different religions just in India on its own. You understand? And the culture relate to it. Spiritual intelligence, on the other hand, is um, you can imagine with 80 different sects, 80 different religions, how many different religions around the world, and everybody's right. Everybody's right. Mm -hmm. You understand? And everybody, if you look at the world uh, of wars and those kind of things, all that happens around spirituality and hiding beyond spirituality. So we have to be very careful when it comes to spiritual intelligence because spiritual intelligence... Uh, refers to that capacity to understand and, and, and address common, uh, fundamental existential questions as we know it, such as the meaning and purpose of life, ethics, values, personal growth. And it also involves the developing of a deeper awareness and connection with oneself, mm -hmm. which is critical as we move forward and we analyze ourselves and the larger context of existence. Why are you here? You know, the mm -hmm. big question. You know, and we often mm -hmm. forget it. Uh, uh, spiritual intelligence is a critical component. Critical component. Um, so we uh, refer to spiritual intelligence, SQ, and it's often associated with concept of spirituality, but it can be approached from various perspectives, including religious, philosophical, circular viewpoints, and it focuses on the inner dimensions of human experience. How you and I experience the here and the now. You know, as you look mm. at the Tibetan way of life and things like that. It's all about the here and the now and those kind of things and the true purpose of life. So the 70% of that brain, which is the EQ, the SQ, spiritual intelligence, cultural intelligence, and foresight intelligence, is how we develop. But it's critical for us to develop that because then we can address good decision-making, uh, uh, as we know it, and develop a souls as we move forward. So the brain is very mm. complex. There are a lot of people that follow this philosophy, you know, of the brain and things like that. Uh, Elon Musk, like you and I know, is also an entrepreneur, also a futurist, also a visionary, but they understand the true complexity. Nikola Tesla for instance, when he was asked in his last day, uh, what's your biggest disappointment? And he indicated mankind, because mankind doesn't understand that 
conscious and subconscious, you understand, uh, moving forward. And it's something that we can learn from. Because it's that interconnectedness, you know what I mean? And once again, Absolutely. I say your IQ is not going to help you much in the future. It's the soft skills, you know, emotional intelligence uh, coupled with that, spiritual intelligence coupled with that, cultural intelligence coupled with that. Because we're living in a globalized world. If you don't know how to negotiate mm. with different cultures, which is part and parcel of cultural intelligence, how are you going to do business? You understand? And then foresight intelligence. Hence again, we look at the Nordic countries. Every single Nordic country has got a Minister of Future Studies or Minister of Foresight for Development. You look at the UAE, you know, you look at Singapore, you look at South Korea, look at the differences between North Korea and South Korea. If you really ask yourself, didn't those four intelligence play a more important role than what the IQ, what we perceive? Absolutely. So it's a, it's a, it's a very deep philosophy. But as, as where we are souls, remember I'm saying again, we are souls here on earth for a particular mm-hmm. purpose. So how do we question that and the understanding of those deeper other emotional intelligence? And hence again, we once again look at what the neurologists say. 90% of your decision making you do in sleep state. I would sit with you for two days on this podcast. It was so fascinating. Oh my gosh. You should have your own podcast, like seriously, and talk about futures and all your insights. It's a very different approach and also the data behind it that I find very fascinating. Um, I want to thank you once again, but um, I hope we stay in touch and hopefully we can do this again. And when I am there or you are here, please do give me a shout out and then we can go for a nice lunch. Thanks to you. Thanks for your show. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. (laughs) You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.